Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, that's good wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. My guest today is Tony Davis, and his journey is incredible. He talks about growing up on the South Side, and after winning five youth state titles and a high school state title, he was expelled from school and essentially lived the street life for his senior year. He didn't step foot on the mat at all. And then after being shot and after having his jaw broke five times in a street fight, he was hospitalized in Iowa Central Community College, somehow got in contact with him, and he changed his life and went on to be a two-time JUCO national champ and a national champ for UNI at the D1 level. So, man, this is just an outstanding conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Fan of the Week goes to Chasing the Charles on Instagram. It's a family affair out there in North Carolina, and they love wrestling. And thanks for tuning in, guys. So, let's give it up for Tony, the Harvey Twister, Davis. You know, I came up through the Illinois circuits, IKWF, and every year we'd get to the state tournament, we'd look at the program, and they would have the three-time state champs listed, the four-time state champs. And then there was a special category for the five-time <laughs> kid state champs, and Tony Davis with the Harvey Twisters was always there. And, man, you had an incredible run. You won a national title at UNI. Take us back to the Harvey Twister days, man. For the folks who don't know what that is, give them a little insight into that program and how you got involved with it. Uh, the Harvey Twisters, this is the, the start of all, all the greatness. Um, a lot of great wrestlers came out of there, a lot of great coaching, a lot of hard work. I said I've been wrestling for over 27 years, and that's the hardest program I ever went through. But also, I also had some great coaches and, and, and great wrestlers. So it was it was intense. You can't go there and not you can't go there slack and get ready to rock and roll. So, um, but you know, like I said, it built champions and it built character. Harvey Twist was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful starting place for me. And it's predominantly in an all African American neighborhood, right? It's in it's in a it's in a not the South Side of Chicago. It's in Harvey, Illinois which is near the South side. But I mean, it is a place where kids can go and not be in a crime ridden area. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, back in the days, Harvey wasn't, wasn't that bad, but now it's, you know, that it's a, a dynamic change. So it's a little bit rough in that area. So you can probably call it the South side of Chicago <laughs> as of now, but, um, but yeah, it's a good place for people and all the kids to go and um, do things and stay active and work on health and discipline. So, 
yeah, Harvard School is a good place to go and, and, and build character and, and learn about life. And the amount of guys that have come through there that are Illinois legends, and then a few have gone on to national dominance, Joe Williams, TJ Williams, yourself, um, you know, Mario Morgan, they're, they're, they're really the list, Mario Morgan. the list goes on and on. Uh, Albert yeah. White, um, you know, so many, so many good guys came through that. Pro- Danzlers, oh man, so many people. Did Ernest so Benyon come through there? Williams. Repeat that again. Did, um, did Benyon come through there? No, no, uh, TC Williams, I mean, TC Danzler. TC Danzler, okay. Not Benyon. Yeah, so I mean, so many guys. Now, when you were growing up, you know, what kind of like childhood did you have, and where did you grow up? Um, I actually grew up in um, South Side Chicago. I, uh, um, I actually moved to Chicago when I was the South Side of Chicago when I was in maybe third grade, third grade. But I um, grew up in kind of Mark- Markham, Illinois area, uh, and I had two uncles, uh, Laymon and Raymond, that they wrestled, and that's how I got involved in wrestling. But I kind of I grew up in Markham a little bit, which is next door to Harvey, but then I ended up moving to the South Side of Chicago, maybe in third grade. Got it. And then when did you start wrestling? I uh, started wrestling at the age of, the age of seven. Wow. Started at age of seven. Yeah. And you're you're and adamant went, that the Harvey Twisters, even though you were in elementary school and middle school, that that's some of the hardest training you've ever done. That was the hardest. That, that was the hardest training I've ever done in elementary Middle school, high school, and even college, and even <laughs> at <the> international, <laughs> even on international level, that was the most intense train I've ever been through. But um, but also some of the great coaching too. So it was all worth it. Who's it was the, all worth uh, the fight in the battle? Is it Quintrell? Is the head head guy there who's been running the show for for like 20, 30 years? Yeah, yeah, Quintrell Rail, uh, Quintrell Rail, Alan Long. Um, yeah, they they ran it. They ran the show. And what what made it so tough? I mean, what was a practice like back then for you guys? They just come there, you tie your shoes up, and get to work. Less talking, more action. It's very it's like there, discipline based, out. right? Dis- very disciplined, very structured, um, very organized. You just you, you came there with a mission. Wow. And the mission was to leave victorious. And you see, I know <laughs> you're doing some training now, and you see. Kids talking back to coaches, man. Would that ever go down back then, oh, or was no. that just no, unheard no. of? That, that that was unheard of. <laughs> you tell me, yeah, yeah. The, the, the generation have definitely, definitely switched and changed. No, you, there was no talk back, and was no disrespect, and you get you just get in there, you get it done. But there'll be consequences. So yeah, I mean that doesn't surprise yeah, me. Um, so you had a lot of success early on, as we said, one of the probably the first five time. Illinois Kids Wrestling Federation champions. And so were you the same age as TJ Williams or Joe Williams, or where do you fit in that mix? Um, my uh, TJ. TJ and I are the same, around the same age bracket. Okay. So, I mean, that that's like the guys who were on your team back in those days. And, you know, how did you end up going from Harvey Twisters to Mount Carmel? Yeah, so, um, you know, a lot of Twisters. I mean, Mount Carmel was a good, for one, it, was, it had a good education. Um structure so uh, we kind of like the harvey twist kind of fed into mark carmel so uh actually i live when i moved to the south side of chicago i was only what 10 minutes away from mark carmel okay so it, was a good, it was a good fit for me um actually um joe Williams with the mark carmel first and uh jason perot with the mark carmel and you know steve Williams with the, went to mark carmel so we just kind of followed followed their 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 path and um and that's how i ended up at mark carmel which was a great choice. 
because Bill Wick was an awesome coach. He was a, and a lot of guys might not know that name, but for the non-Illinois people, Mount Carmel is one of the dominant private Catholic high schools in Chicago. In the 90s, they won four or five state titles in a row. And Bill Wick was actually the Olympic coach on the 1972 team when Dan Gable was wrestling. So this guy is kind yeah. of like a like a godfather, so to speak. You know, a, kind of an old sage. Kind of reminds me of Customato almost, uh, but for wrestling. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, also, he was also, he was, he was also a national champion at University of Northern Iowa. Oh, he was? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a national champion in Northern Iowa. And so he had like this pipeline of Harvey Twisters coming into Mount Carmel, and, and you guys dominated. What do you remember from your time uh, with Coach Wick? Like, what stood out like the first couple of days of practice versus your time oh, with the Twisters? Yeah, you just come in there, you strap your shoes on, and you, you wrestle. And he was all about business too. We get in there, we, we ran, we. But you know, he also created a team and a uh, family environment too. He was really big on that. He created a family environment. He stressed on education. He stressed on togetherness, and and that's what that's what built us. We we kind of we fed off each other, but also we kind of felt the energy of you know a true champion, which is he'd been to the to the top. He won he won big things, and once you know a person been there, you can kind of feel the energy. We had we just kind of went with his vibe. And, um, Don't you think that's great. like everything in sports? I mean, if you're growing up in a household where your parents were never college athletes or even athletes like my family no one was an athlete and then my brother and I wrestled like we really didn't believe probably that we could win a state title but if you're around people that have won a national title or state titles yeah your expectation of what's possible just goes way up way up because you, you can relate to them they can relate to you they know about the grind they know about the hard work they know about the dedication they know about you know they know what it takes and when you were a freshman at Mount Carmel, was Joe Williams still there? Or he already gone to Iowa. No, actually, my freshman year was he there? My freshman, I think he was a senior. I think Joe was a senior that year. Um, yeah, he was a senior. He was uh, that was his last year, and I was a freshman. And so we're talking about one of the great Illinois wrestlers. Excuse me, one of the best high school wrestlers of all time, in my opinion. Opinion, Joe Williams. His only loss was yes, a, was yes, a very questionable slam. His junior year in high school, he actually beat Lincoln McAravey to make the junior world team when McAravey was already at Iowa. Um, just dominated everybody, four-time state champ. You know, I don't even think he got taken down his last year. So that's the standard you're living up to. His brother, Steve Williams, the oldest, probably equally as talented, but kind of had some off-the-mat issues. So that's, that's like the mm-hmm. energy around the program is you have all this going on, and you get there. Five-time kid state champ. You're stepping into the lineup on a state championship team. Walk us through oh, kind of your high school career. What was how to go for you? Yeah, my freshman year, I went. I did pretty good. I was ranked number one um, my freshman year, but then um, towards the midseason, uh, uh, I was diagnosed with a double hernia, uh, so I had to sit out the the rest of the year, so I didn't uh, compete at states. Uh, my sophomore year, I came back and won a state title. Um, my junior year, uh, actually I caught another hernia in the, um, sectionals. Um, they was going to pull me out and not have me wrestle. But then, um, I said, Hey, I, I made it this far. Let's finish it up. So, um, went to the state tournament, wrestled with, a, with another hernia, uh, took second, lost to Reggie White, which is a good buddy of mine in overtime. And, um, after that, uh, you know, I made some mistakes throughout the throughout, throughout my years of, of, of uh, at Mount Carmel. I had kicked out of school myself my senior year. 
So I didn't touch the mat at all my senior year. Let's talk about that a little bit because you know you're doing a lot of coaching now, and you and you came out on the on the right end of it. I mean, you were a national champion at Division One, did a lot of international yeah. wrestling. But so at the end of so junior year, you get the the hernia comes back. You're wrestling pretty banged up. You still end up getting second in the state. Um, did you finish out your junior year at Mount Carmel, or did you get kicked out before the end of your junior year? Uh, no, so I finished out my junior year at Mount Carmel. Okay. Um, and then at the end of the year, there that's when I got the letter. So hey, you know you can you can't return back the following year. And what was it? Just missing school, uniform violations, oh, miss, you name it. Huh? Yes, missing school. Yeah, uniform violation. Just being a knucklehead, not taking a guidance, not you know, not um, taking advantage of opportunities. Um, but also just you know, growing up in a different environment, you don't realize a good thing until it's gone. So that's something like I don't think people can understand is um, some of the the situations in the South side of Chicago obviously are not good. And you are right in the thick of that. Whereas like the Williams family, they were in Harvey, which wasn't really like that. So you were, you know, a little bit different in that sense where you had a, a tougher upbringing. Yeah. I mean, just kind of describe what it's like it was, growing up in the South side of Chicago. It's, 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 um, so like a third country it's, it's rough, you know, it's liquor stores in every corner, it's, you know, gang bangers all the way uh, on every corner is drugs. It's, it's violence. It's just it's nonstop. It's twenty-four hours. Gunshots. It's um, ambulance, police. It, it's 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 twenty-four hours. It's nonstop. So it's pretty intense. It's, you know, every time you you walk out, you're hoping to return back home safe, but you never know. You know, drive-by shootings and um, you know, people just jump on you because of what you have on, and they might jump on you because they want something you, you have. So it's just it was a scary situation. You know, every day you you went out, and you made it back home. It was a blessing. Wow! And now you look back at it. Now it's, it's a, right now it's the murder capital that that little area, Southside Chicago, Inglewood. So has it gotten worse over time? Oh yeah, it's getting way worse. Yes, it's getting a lot worse. Um, yeah, it's got a lot worse. I'm just happy that I took advantage of the opportunity, was able to make it out. And did people resent you, know, you so. for going to like an all boys Catholic school, even though you lived in Inglewood? Yeah, um, I kind of, you know, I didn't really talk much about it. It was nothing that really, you know, I came home, it was like I was living a double life. I went to school, and I came home and lived in the neighborhood. So no one really asked what school I went to. I just, you know, I just kind of did your thing. Kept kind of kept it separate. Yeah, kind of kept it separate. I mean, it's almost like you'd ha- have to. I mean, I don't even I know if to. you could wear yeah, the Mount yeah. Carmel uniform around your neighborhood. You probably did. Yeah, I couldn't. You dug it. You did it? I didn't. You no, changed? I didn't. No, nah, that I changed. Yeah, I kind of kept it everything because I probably because of the situation they probably would have made fun of me. So more likely, for sure. So I just kind of kept I kept everything separate. They didn't know what school I went to. They didn't know what I was getting up in the morning, going and doing doing every morning. I kept it separate. That had to be stressful, even even for a for a young guy. I mean, it had to be incredibly stressful. And so coming out of your yeah. junior year. Like, did you ever have like a heart to heart with Mr. Bill Wick and kind of understand what was going on, or was too it was past the point of saving at that point? No, 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 no. We had we had a heart to heart. I I totally I totally understand what happened, and that's one thing about Wick. He you know he every year he would talk to me say, hey, this was happening. This is what you're doing. If you don't do this, X this is X Y Z. So I kind of saw it coming. Um, but yeah, um, Bill Wick he sat down and. He talked to me afterwards and told me what happened and 
and I had to, you know, I had to respect the decision it made. So I brought it upon myself. Did you ever think about going to like a public school to wrestle, or at that point you knew you were done with high school? No, actually, no, actually, I tried to. I went. To, I tried to go to Inglewood High School and wrestle, but when you go from a Catholic school to a, a public school, all your credits don't don't transfer over. So I wasn't eligible because they taking like those theology classes and they didn't transfer over to my, to, um, to a public school. So when I transferred over, um, I was ineligible. What? So I couldn't even touch the mat my senior year. Yeah. <laughs> How crazy is that? Because yeah. Mount Carmel is such a, it's a strong academic institution. And to think that yeah. they wouldn't transfer to a public school is kind of crazy. That seems weird. Yeah, no, that was, that was surprising. They, uh, they tried to get me on the mat and, I went and talked to the principal, and, but they said I was ineligible. My, my credits didn't transfer over. It was, so, it was to the point it was so bad, and I couldn't graduate until the summer of the following year. So what did you do your senior year then? Oh, senior year was a crazy year. Um, just That's when things really, really went spiral out of control. Uh, you know, I got involved with hanging out in the streets. Uh, uh, um, wrestling wasn't, wasn't on my top priority list. It was all about survival then. But then um, my senior year, uh, was, that's when things changed. I ended up getting shot and um, living a lifestyle. Things just kind of got kind of kind of got crazy. You got shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just at a, at a park. Um, people was out um, at a barbecue. Someone drove by, did drive by shooting. Got shot twice. Didn't even know about it until I got home. What? So that I mean that's yeah. It's just so hard for me to understand, but that that's commonplace in some, some parts of this country, and that is just insane to hear about. So you're at a barbecue, just minding your own business, having fun, a drive-by shooting happens, and you don't even realize you got shot? Yeah, yeah, the drilling is going, so you're running, you just, your drilling is going. So, yeah, I went home, walked in the house, mom, mom said, hey, your pants are wet. I turned around, blood all over the place. Didn't even know, didn't even know it. What time of the year is this? Is this in the fall or the spring? This is this is in the fall. This is this is in the fall. This is toward my end of my senior year. So I mean, you normally you would have been at Mount Carmel doing your thing, and then but now you're out of high school and totally, and you're just trying to survive, like you said. I mean, did you ever think you'd wrestle again at this point? No, I thought I thought my wrestling career was pretty much done. I thought it was it was it was done. Was no hope. So uh, it wasn't. It was just it wasn't in my radar. And then at what point that year uh, did you start? I mean, like, come February, you had to be missing it when the state tournament's going on. Like, when did you? Yeah. When did you start to realize, dude? I got to get my got to get my shit together here and get back into wrestling. How did that all transpire? Well, this this all happened where after that happened, um, I ended up getting my jaw broken, and um, like in five different places, and I was in the hospital from a street fight or and all what? Of a sudden, uh, yeah, yeah, from a street fight. Yeah, yeah, I got jumped on. So um, I was in the hospital, and the next thing you know, I get two individuals walking to the hospital saying they was um, a wrestling coach from Iowa Central Community College. So they walks in, they say, hey, you know, I understand your situation. And back then it was Milton Blakely. They got in contact with Milton Blakely. And Milton Blakely um, got in contact with my grandmother, which lived in, she lived in Canterbury, which is a small part of, of right off of, um, outside of Harvey and she was able to locate my mom and they drove down and located me when I was in the hospital. And, um, they say, Hey, we understand your situation. You know, you're going through a lot, but we want to give a, give you an opportunity to come rest for our school. 
And that's when everything, the light switched. I said, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to pack. I'm ready to go. What? And ever since then. What time of the year is this? Is this? This was, this was towards the summer. This was uh, towards maybe, it was definitely leading, school was out. So it's like maybe August. Oh shit! So it's like yeah. you've been doing this this other life, this street life for about a year at this point. You've been shot, and then yeah, yeah, you yeah. get jumped. And like, what was the cause for the the street fight? Just part of Just the like living living a lifestyle, part part Fuck. part of the lifestyle. Oh my god! Yeah, part 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 of living a lifestyle. Just surviving, doing things, surviving. You know, you know. Just sometimes in order to be surviving your environment you have to be part of you have to be part of you have to become part of the environment so wow um, it's a crazy lifestyle it's a crazy it's a crazy dangerous lifestyle horrific so, um and so milton blakely <laughs> is i don't i know the name but he i'm i'm i don't know him that well he was a great wrestler from that okay. area right yeah he yeah he's pretty good he was also part of the harvard twisters he um he also went to Markham high school as well but actually myself they came recruiting. They they was coming to recruit him and myself, so we actually left together to go wrestle Iowa Central. Oh really? Was he a state champ? Uh, he he was a state. No, I don't think he never won state. Yeah, actually, I think he, he was a state champ. He won it once. And so this would have been your once. teammate at Mount Carmel. Would you have stayed your senior year? And I'm sure he was your teammate all throughout high school. And so it's like August and. Like you're supposed to be going into your freshman year of college, you're in the hospital, your jaw's banged up. I mean, if yeah. they didn't come and get you, how different would your life be right now? Oh man, it would be, it would be more like the way if you look at the the path I was taking. It'd probably be death or prison. That's that. That was where I was going. Uh, unless I would have, you know, matured much faster and, and and got more blessings, but that was the path. It was death or prison. Wow. And then you get to Iowa Central, which is one of the top junior colleges in the country for wrestling. There's so many guys have gone there. Colby Covington, John Jones, Edwin Cooper, who I'm a I'm a huge fan of that dude. He's coming up now through the MMA circuits. But you get out there after taking a year off from wrestling, did it take a while for it to come back to you? Didn't even touch the mat. No, it just came back. <laughs> Right away. Tony Davis, you're an animal, man. <laughs> it don't take, hey babe, it don't take time for a champ to realize greatness. God, you got it done. I put the shoes on, strapped it up, went down, won two titles. I think I became the first during that time. I became, I became the first person to win the two titles for Iowa Central. Did you ever lose? Um, and then I lost maybe I think two two matches. Actually, I lost one match to Reggie White. Two matches actually. I lost one to Reggie, and I lost one in overtime. I lost one. Um, I forgot the other guy's name. It was I had went up a weight class to try to help out the team, and I lost that in overtime. But I lost two two overtime matches. Got it. Um, other than that, so, so let's put this in perspective. I went, I went there on a mission. <laughs> let's put this in perspective, okay? <laughs> Takes off his senior year, doesn't wrestle, let alone any lifting, any running, nothing. You know, you come you come back and you win two JUCO titles in a row, dominating everybody. I mean, your your focus and your purpose had to be just lasered in at that point because you knew what life could be like. So, I mean, were you just on a mission when you got there and you took it super serious? 
I, t- I had to take it super serious. I knew where I was coming from. I didn't want to go back. So my, that was my only option was to get it done. It was my only, it was like it was my last shot. I had one shot. And I wanted to take advantage of it. I knew where I was at. It wasn't. I wasn't in a happy place. Wow. But once I had it, once I got back on the mat and I felt the taste of victory, and I always, always been a winner. I always wanted to win. I was, I always was a grinder. So once I felt that, that, that victory, that I wanted to chase more. And then once I realized I can get education out of it and, and become more successful, uh, that was, that was all I needed. Everything else was just, was nothing. And like the tr- like what might have been a hard practice before that was something you welcome now i'm sure oh welcome oh yeah that was i, I welcome that i welcome the hard the, the, the running the, the the lifting the discipline wow yeah i welcome that because i knew it was it was something worse way with something worse on the other side if it, i didn't do it and then once you won you once you won the two titles at iowa central where were you considering going for D1 at that point? I actually, I actually wanted to go to the University of Nebraska. That was my first choice. Uh, I think the reason for that was I just liked the colors, the hard twisted color, red and black. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I want the red, man. I want the, the, the red for the blood and black for the darkness. I, it just, that was just, I just love those colors. So Nebraska was my number one choice. And then I um, went there on a recruiting visit and, and uh, actually, Mark Manny came after I came back from there. The next day, he came to to um, my location and said, "Well, if you come to Northern Iowa, I'll build. A, we want to build a program around you." And that was just that was that was the switch. And people might be a little confused mm-hmm. because Mark Manny was not at Nebraska at that time. He was the head coach at UNI, and so you go to Nebraska, and then the next day, UNI comes calling, and Mark Manning is there. This great coach who's kind of building himself up. How how impactful was he in your life? Oh my God, he was he was a huge impact. Uh, even to this day, we still talk. He um he helped um you know mold my life. He kind of showed me what it takes from being a boy to a man. He showed me how to make better decisions. He showed me how to not you know continue to fight, and not be a quitter. He just he was always positive, positive with a lot of energy. So um man, he was he was he was a huge turning point in my life when I went to Northern Iowa. Cause I, when I got there, I was already believing, but he made me believe even more. Man, and he kind of took he kind of took everything off of wrestling and focused on you know, without wrestling, this is where you need to be. He helped me. He prepared me for life. How so? Uh, you know, getting academic. Just he focused more on academics. You know, wrestling was second. He, he focused more on academics. And you know, and he's, he's always telling me use wrestling as a vehicle. You know, use wrestling as a vehicle because um, it's going to help you be successful in life. And you just always preach that. You need to get your education, 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 education. So, and that's what, I mean, being around him made me want to become a teacher. No kidding? That's how you got that motivation? Yeah. That's how I got the motivation, yeah. Between it was him, Bill Wick, and Quintrell Rail. There was a, there was, I, and I say, <laughs> I, I surround myself around. I surround myself around great teachers. I want to become. I want to be. I want to be a great teacher, and I got to teaching. It was the best decision I ever made. Wow! Can you? I mean, think about those coaches you just listed off. Three Hall of Famers, first ballot Hall of Famers, and those were the guys you surround yourself with. It's just so important to be around good people at a young age. And yeah, and man, you took advantage of it. So, 
you got to Nebraska, uh, excuse me, you and I, did you notice a change in competition at the D1 level from the JUCO circuit? Yeah, yeah, it was it was a huge change. It was more, um, it was just more, uh, more focused, more. It was more control. It was it was a little bit more intense, way more intense. But as far as going out there winning, it was all the same. It was all the same feeling. And did you it, pretty you much know, just dominate? Because you were in the finals twice at Division One, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My first year, actually, my first year I got there. Um, my first year I got hurt. Uh, I had to pull my hamstring. I went. I went to the uh, to NC. The NC like only with sixteen matches. NCAA is only sixteen matches underneath my belt. So I was pretty much out the whole season. Um, yeah, went there. Had a great, great, great tournament. I think I went. I was ranked eighth that year. And um, made to the finals and ended up wrestling one of my best friends, TJ Williams. It was a hard loss, but it was a good loss. That's my favorite story to tell people when they, and I, Tony Davis, I'm one of the biggest promoters of the Harvey Twisters. I'm trying to get a shirt. I'm trying to get something, man, because I love the Harvey <laughs> Twisters. And I tell people, I go, have you ever heard of this club? They go, no, I've never heard of them. I go, well, let me tell you something. In 99 or 98, what year was it when you guys wrestled? Uh, I was there in 90, oh, man, 95. Uh, 94, 95, 96? No, 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 no. At you and I when you wrestled TJ in the finals. Oh, and no, oh yeah, that was, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was 99. Yeah, okay. So in 99, the NCAA finals of Division One, two guys from the same kids club wrestled in the finals. And, you know, TJ Williams, another all-time great. He actually still holds the, the highest winning percentage at the University of Iowa ever. So think about all the great guys who have come through Iowa. TJ Williams owns the best winning percentage. He only lost once. That was in the semis the year before. And so you guys are going, I mean, you're going into the finals against someone, you know, probably better than anyone. Like, what was your mindset like going into that match? Man, it was, it was like any other match, win, win, win. But I knew it would be a different, it was going to be a different kind of struggle. Um, I mean, it was kind of hard to go against one of my best friends. But not only that, a person I wrestled from elementary to middle school to high school, and now we're in an NCAA final match in college. It was hard. It was stressful. It was it was not a lot of sleep that night. Because you must <laughs> have known when you were in high school, did you get the better of him or was it about even or did he get the better of you? Well, growing up younger, I I was I used to always beat him growing up younger. And I think it all kind of changed in high school because he was much bigger. Um, he was at, I think, 45. I was at 125. Um, so it kind of changed in high school. But um, – but more, it was more like neck to neck growing up, especially when we got in high school. We kind of like neck to neck. Okay. And that, you know, and he actually saw that night, and at the NCAA finals, it was kind of like neck to neck. And he went to JUCO so, as well. He went to Lassen College out in California. Were you guys still like keeping in touch throughout this time, or had it been some time since you guys hung out and shot the shit? Yeah. When, it, yeah. After that, after um, <clears throat> after high school, we kind of went our own separate ways. Um, went to JUCO, he went to JUCO. We kind of kept in touch, you know, like with email. Back in the day, everyone didn't have phones. <laughs> Shooting emails <laughs> so, back and forth. <laughs> yeah, email. <laughs> well, every once in a while, we shoot an email, so well, we stay in contact. But even to this day, we even we way, we way more strong than we were in the past. We talk every day. You talk every day now? Yeah, yeah. Man, we should have had... 
we should do a dual podcast, you and TJ on at the same time, man. Let's let's get into the nuts and bolts of that match. Let's do it, man. I let's would love it. to do it. You'll love it. You'll love it. I am uh, just a huge fan of what he – is he still doing the – I'm a huge fan of what he's doing in Central Illinois. Is he still running the program down in Peoria, Illinois area? Washington, Illinois. Yeah, yeah, he's still – yeah, Washington, Illinois. He's the head coach out there at the high school, and he's still running the program, yeah. Man, unbelievable. I just – I'm infatuated by – people who are winners and that group you came up with i mean there's so mm-hmm. many state champs and and national americans there and so so you come to d1 another unbelievable run you make the finals of the national tournament your first year in d1 you get beat by one of your good friends where were you at mentally kind of coming off of that loss oh that was that was hard it kind of brought me back to, you know i had to do some self-evaluation it kind of brought me back. It was a hard loss, but it was, it was a hard loss, but it was a good loss. It was the hard. The loss was so hard because I was, you know, I have a hard of a champion to where the following year I was so afraid of feeling that feeling again. I went in the wrestling room and told Mark, man, I said, look, I'm done wrestling. So I pretty much, I went there and quit my senior, my senior year at the first, maybe the first month. I told Mark, man, I didn't want to wrestle no more. <clears throat> and Mark Manning gave me the words that I would never forget. He said, well, I gave you the opportunity to wrestle for my school, wrestle for, for Northern Iowa. I gave you the opportunity, at least give me the opportunity, give me, give me one more practice. And Mark knew when I went in that practice room, put those shoes on, and felt the, the, the love of the sport that I wouldn't just give it up. And I went and put my shoes on, did that practice, and felt great. And after that, greatness came from me. I worked hard the whole year and won a national, national title. That's powerful. And it's cool that he just said, hey, give me one more practice. He seems like just the best people person, like in college wrestling, maybe. Yes. He, he, you know, that's why people that go down there have a lot of success. I mean, look at Nebraska. You know? I mean, they're do- I mean, not dominating, but they're way up from where they were. And I'm excited to see what they do this year. But um, mm-hmm. he seems like a, a great motivator of people. And so you, but you hit on something that came up earlier this week. I was interviewing Anthony Robles. And he said the same thing. After his junior year, he lost in the semis. He was so heartbroken and so distraught that he didn't wrestle for six months after that. And then August of his senior year, he was seriously thinking about quitting because the fear of failure, yeah. knowing that you only have one more yeah. chance, was too much to bear. Yeah. And I don't think people really comprehend that. And it's hard for me to comprehend that. So, I mean, you felt so much pressure to win your senior year that you almost said, Dude, I just can't do it. It's too much. It's getting in the way it. of it. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a mental. It was a mental block. It was I say it was fear of failure. And it's your senior year. It's like you know you want to go out on top. You're so used to winning. You know you're so used to. It, it was it was <clears throat> it was a, it was a tough mental block. It was hard. And did you wrestle that summer yeah. at all, or did you take some time off after the nationals your junior year? Uh, actually, I, I took some time off. I didn't even touch the mat, no. How long until you got year, back on? Um, when maybe preseason, when preseason came. <laughs> I, didn't do any, I, didn't even, I didn't even look at the mat. Did you even I, lift I, or I run that, that summer off. or no? I didn't lift, I didn't run, no. No, <laughs> didn't do anything. Man, that, that just shows <laughs> the talent level of Tony Davis. All these other guys are working out all summer you don't step on the mat until the preseason workout. And it was, it probably was a blessing, though, because you needed some time yeah, away just yeah. to refocus yourself. Yeah, I refocused myself. I had, I had a kid, uh, so I was spending time with my son. 
So yeah, I need time to refocus. Oh shit, you had a kid in college? Yeah, yeah, I had a kid in college. Uh, My sophomore, actually my sophomore year, Iowa Central. So you got like real life going on, man. You got a family going on and you're probably at the point where, again, you you could push it away and be okay, but thank God you didn't, man. So I worked out. Man, let's fast forward again to March, your senior year. Thursday morning, the national tournament starts. Are you feeling excited or, or is that, that self-doubt and fear starting oh, to creep back in? No, nah, I was ready. By that time, I was ranked number one the whole year. I was I was motivated then. That was it was all it was all cards on the table. There was no fear. It was all about winning. Now I, I feel like I, I feel like I was just there to pick. I was just there to get my award. Um, my competition was the whole battling the whole year every day in practice. That was my competition. When I got to NCAA's, I was just there to you know receive what I earned my my award. I won already. I was there to just pick up the hard way. I was just there to get on the podium and give everyone their last final wave, and that was it. And that's how I really felt. It was, it was really no pressure at that time. So that must have been, you know, athletes talk about those moments when they're in that flow state where everything's just going right. It sounds like that tournament for you was just three days where things were just ticking, baby. Ticking, baby. It was it. I was fully confident. I knew I, knew I was coming on top. I paid the price. I deserved it. But at some point of that tournament, though, did you ever have any self-doubt creep in? And if so, how did you eradicate it from your mind? Yeah, it, I did. Um, you know, you, everyone has some self-doubt, but I just, when I stepped in the match, shook hands, it was, it was wartime. <laughs> it was time to battle. I just, what I did was I refocused. I told myself I did not want to feel the same way I felt the previous year. And how can I do that? I'll work with my opponent, win, find a way, find, find a way to win. But any means necessary, you find a way to win. And I did not want to feel the way I felt the year before. So I stayed focused, and I kept that in the back of my head. And I knew what I wanted, and I made it happen. It's amazing how many people are more motivated by the fear of that failure versus winning. And all the best people talk about that. They go, I just don't want to feel that again. So I'll do whatever I can just to not feel that versus the feeling of winning. I I think uh, it was more like at, at that point I just went out there and I told myself I wanted to just have fun with the sport. I just went out there. And I, it was all about just having fun at the time. Because I felt like I already mastered the sports in my mind. It's just now it's about just going out there having fun and enjoying myself. It was last year. I really didn't feel no, that much pressure though. It was, was kind of crazy. I, I think about I think about that all the time. It, it wasn't really a lot of pressure in the NCAA's. The pressure was like getting them to the point of making the NCAAs and if I was going to make it through the whole year, that was the pressure going to each practice, going to that morning grind and the afternoon grind and, you know, trying to maintain my GPA to, to be able to compete in NCAAs. But at that point, it was like, a, I said, there was no pressure. It was all about fun. And what did, and that's all I can remember. What was a day in the life like for you training back your senior year? Um, just, Getting, you know, in this, that early morning grind, working out three times a week, uh, tapering down towards the end of the week. It was just, it was, it was just a grind, but I had to make, you know, maintain how I train because everyone's different. Someone, some people can train, train, train to be great. Some people can overtrain. But um, for me, it was just getting up, running six in the morning, three miles, get my focus right, 
going to class and, you know, before practice started, you know, going out with Mark Manning and doing like a little drill session and then going to study hall and coming back and getting ready for practice. It was like everyday routine. And that alone is, (laughs) that alone is, is more than most people will ever do in their entire life, let alone what you did in three months. And then, you know, the national finals, I kind of forgot that it went to overtime versus Terrapelli. It was 5-1. Yeah. And I actually have not seen that match. What what happened in the overtime? Um, I just kept my composure and he got a position. I just took advantage of the opportunity. But the whole time with the overtime, I didn't, I didn't feel threatened. I just felt like I was still in control of the match. That's the crazy thing about it. I didn't panic. And it usually sounds like that you panic. But I just kind of stayed in control, went to flow. If you watch the match, I just kind of kept the pressure on. I just kind of kept the pressure, but maintained good position. I got the overtime pulled up now. I control the whole match. If you look at the match, you would probably think I probably would have, you know, it wasn't an overtime match, but I, I you know, I controlled the match. I pushed on the bounce over and over and over. I pretty much stayed in control of the match. I, I kept my butt towards the center of the mat. Dude, I'm getting but, um, chills watching this match here, dude. You were so fired up when you put Terrapella to his back in overtime. My God. Yeah. Holy shit. Just, oh, my God. It's a, it's a feeling that it would never leave. It never left. That's been 20 years ago. Man, look at that. I'm going to – after this, I'll post a video, and I'll, I'll put your audio with it. But holy smokes, man, that's awesome. And then after that, you did do some international wrestling – and you actually did the real pro wrestling. That was a pretty cool thing. A lot of people forget about that, but I like that mat setup. How it's like a kind of way up there, and there's no sides of the mat. Yeah, it was pretty neat. It was pretty neat. But I think that was when UFC was coming out and it kind of flooded there. That it kind of flooded that deal. But it was it was a good opportunity. It was nice for the sport. Would you have done UFC if it was more popular at the time? You think? Mm, nah, nah. Yeah. No, at that time, I think I was more focused on my, you know, after I got done with that, I was more focused on, you know, becoming a father and starting my career as a teacher. I think I was at the end of my road with the, 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 the grind. It's a lot, man. <laughs> it's a lot. I think I was at the point, I had a son, I wanted to get, I was, then I ended up having a daughter, so it was about me giving back to my kids and, you know, and, and trying to get back to the community. So I was, I was ready to hang that, that, that lifestyle up. And now you're out in North Carolina running Tony Davis Wrestling and you're doing private workouts. You're a teacher. You know, if someone's – I don't know if there's anyone in North Carolina listening to this. Hopefully there is. But um, <laughs> if there are, man, how can someone get in touch with you and what are you doing now in terms of wrestling yeah, and coaching? Yeah. yeah, right now I'm doing a lot of privates, one-on-one sessions. Out of, you know, I like to literally out of my garage. It's a half a mad. It's – you know, punching bags, like so it's a whole gym setup. But if someone wants to get some, get in contact with me, they can just go to my website at www.tonydaviswrestling.com um, and get all the information from there. And, and you know, my contact number's on there. They can drop drop me drop me a, you know email to my inbox, and um, and it has it's make it happen. You got some champions. hammers out there you're working with now. Got some hammer, yeah. I got I got, I got some few hammers. They'll be they'll be in the in the in the in the main in the spotlight real soon. They they got some they got some tough kids coming up. I'm excited to see, man. We should do a. Uh, you should yeah. on your phone just do like a little tour of the garage, man. It sounds like a real gritty place where where it's just yeah, all man. work, I would baby. Like to. 
Yeah, all work, no play. Let's get it done. <laughs> Building champions, man. <laughs> Building champions, man, all day long. Man. On the mat and off the mat. So. That's it. And then do you come back to Chicago at all during the holiday season? Yeah, sometimes I come back. I do do a couple camps. Uh, like I said, I do camps in the summertime. I did a couple camps out there this past summer. Uh, so I make my way back to Chicago every 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 summer, either for family or for camps. Smart that you do it so, in the summer. I used to live in California. I just moved back to be near my brother. He lives right by Wrigley, and I live about a mile north of him. And I forgot what these winters are like back here. Oh, my God. Man, man. It's torture. <laughs> torture. Brutal. Man, torture. That's what I'm I'm loving Raleigh, North Carolina. It's a lovely place to train. It's a lovely place to raise a family. I enjoy it. So you don't come back uh, for any big wrestling stuff in like, Thanksgiving or Christmas time? It's mostly just in the summer? No. Yeah, most of the time, yes. Most of the summer. Okay. I was going to say, if you summer. come back, man, I want to meet meet in person, and we'll do one of these in, in person, man. That would be awesome. I'll be, hey, I'm all for it. I'll make it happen. You set it up, I'll be there. And all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, give us a review, give us a rating, and share this with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life.